You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. Recently, I was interviewed on the Green Industry Perspectives podcast. It's an awesome show that's targeted toward landscape and arboriculture business owners, now hosted by my buddy on LinkedIn, Jay Worth. We discuss the type of mentality that helps employers attract and keep staff to help mitigate the effects of the current industry staff shortage. You are listening to the Green Industry Perspectives podcast presented by Single Ops, a podcast created for green industry professionals looking for best practices, tactics, and tips in running their tree care or landscape business. Welcome back to another episode of Green Industry Perspectives presented by Single Ops. My name is Jay Worth. I am the content marketing manager here and Today, we have a fantastic episode lined up for you. Someone that I connected with via LinkedIn. And truly, uh, this episode is only possible because of the, the, the technological advances in the world today. We have Daniel Fuller with us. He hosts his own podcast called Plants Grow Here. And he runs a job board for the green industry in Australia, which is where he's located. And he's joining us from today. Daniel, thanks so much for joining us. G'day, Jay. Thanks, mate. Appreciate being on, on the show. Absolutely. We're thrilled to have you. If you would, I'll give you a chance to, to get into your, your background and how you got into the industry, but we like to open each episode with some immediate value. Daniel, you, you literally have contacts all over the world. You've, you've talked to business owners, heads of formal gardens, and, and people like this all over the world. What are the top three things or, or kind of common threads that you see green industry companies who recruit and retain top talent, what are they all doing really well? Okay, so my tips are going to revolve around something that I like to think of as care. So hmm. it's not so much a nuts and bolts thing, it's more of a mentality. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to prioritize st- recruitment and retention. Honestly, I'm sure that people listening right now can actually agree with this, that staff are more important than even the clients. They're the most important part of your business. Hmm. So you should be preparing to get off the tools. So you need to build the best team that you can. And that that just comes down to prioritizing recruitment and retention. Second tip, give them a long leash, like trust them, defend them when a client complains about their work and they'll keep coming back to you and, and they'll pay you back in spades. Like when I think about the employees that have kept me, those are the employees that I really had a good relationship with. When I think about the employees that I left, they were the ones that didn't trust me that, you know, always took the client side or this, that and the other. So... The third tip would be, do they need a mental health day off? Do they need time off to visit sick family? Do they need whatever they need? Like if you can just sort of give, think about more giving to your staff and then the good staff will actually give that back to you more. So those are my three tips. Don't make them feel guilty for their mental health days off. Don't make them feel guilty for, you know, things like that because they're just going to not like you and then they're just going to leave. They, you want them to like you. <laughs> it sounds so simple. Like you've just <laughs> distilled that so beautifully. You want them to like you. You want them to enjoy coming to work. No, those are those are all fantastic. And, and I don't think I could agree with those any more clearly. 
I, I really liked, I'm taking some notes actually on some of the stuff you said, and, and I want to drive a little deeper. But before we get any further into the show here, if you would, let's back up and, and talk a little bit about how you got into the industry. Um, you have a really interesting path to the industry because I believe you came from more of a corporate setting and just found that that really wasn't your wasn't your bag, wasn't your wheelhouse. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I tried a lot of things before I found horticulture. So uh, I am a horticulturist. I'm a qualified horticulturist of 10 years. But it took me a long time to get into horticulture. So, I mean, I was studying out of school. I was studying town planning. And my then girlfriend, now my wife, said, Daniel, you hate this. Why are you doing this? And I was like, yeah, you're right. I do hate this. I don't want to be a town planner. It's all about rules <laughs> and it's all about like the law and following codes and stuff like that. I was like, that's just not me, man. So, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm more of like a creative free thinker. So, I was like, all right. So, I got out, had a try of a few different things. Like, I was a cook at a cafe. I worked in a bookstore just a bunch of different stuff and I ended up in telemarketing, like cold calling people on behalf of a telecommunications company. And I was a guy who, you know, when you call up people, they go, hey, man, are you in a second-story building or are you in a high-rise building or something like that? And you go, yeah, I am actually. And they go, can you open up the window and just jump out? <laughs> just kill yourself. Oh, crap. So it's like, And it's just, yeah, that's not a fun environment to be in. So I got out of that and then I got into printing sales so i was selling five-year b2b contracts and um like sales just isn't for me man like i just hated it it was just not good for me it was not good <laughs> for my mental health so i was chatting with a buddy who owned a landscape construction business and he said hey man i've got all these clients that i've been creating gardens for why don't you just come for me and i'll um sell them i'll upsell them on the maintenance so i was like yeah right oh so i gave my two weeks notice to this company that i hated and then so sort of like coming up to the two weeks of, of the end of my game and he goes, oh, sorry, man. Turns out my landscape construction clients don't need maintenance from me because they they knew the deal when they, when I constructed the gardens and they've already got a maintenance gardener, so there's no work for you. So anyway, I had to go and find, <laughs> find my own work. Yeah, <laughs> is what it is. But then so anyway, long story short, I ended up at, with this working for this guy. It was just me and him. I'd take the ute out by myself and fill it up with grass and he'd pay me 20 bucks, 20 Aussie dollars, dollary dues, as we say. And <laughs> yeah, so that was per lawn. So that's under minimum wage. So if you think about one lawn takes about an hour, roughly including travel, because I was doing quite a lot of travel all around the city. And then you've got to take away grass clippings and you've got to take away, you know, all the waste and you've got to fuel the vehicle up and stuff like that. And this is in the middle of Brisbane summer, which is quite hot. It's, it's quite hectic and the grass grows pretty ridiculously. Like you'll fill up those massive wool bags. You fill up two of them on a property sometimes. So there's oh, wow. a lot of work. So, yeah, that, that wasn't great. But then on top of that, I had to pay for fuel and tip fees. So it was, it was actually quite exploitative. So it wasn't the best entry into the industry, to be honest. But then, yeah, you know, I sort of every year, well, I went last, lasted there for a year. And then I, somehow my wife and I or my then girlfriend and I managed to save up enough to go traveling. So we sort of just quit the job and we just went for four months to Southeast Asia and just lived off basically nothing. Like I think our budget was $30 a day or something. <laughs> so, yeah, but you can do it there. Well, you could back then anyway. This is in 2012. So, yeah, I sort of just I did that for a few years. I'd sort of like work at a job and then just leave and go traveling because that was what I was really passionate about. So long story short, I sort of ended up at a place and moved cities to Melbourne, uh, which is in the south of Australia. It's a completely different climate. 
and just sort of started working here. And I fell in with a boss that I really enjoyed. I have enjoyed other bosses before, but this one was one of my favorite bosses, one of my true favorite bosses. And it was just because the work was was what it was, you know, like it's just gardening work, which is what I wanted to do because I wanted to be out in the sunshine and I wanted to be working with plants. That's just what makes me happy. And also just the crew was great. So it was sort of like this whole, everything came together into this beautiful environment where it just felt like I was just hanging out with my buddies every day. So that's where I really lasted for five years or so, I think. I, I sort of left for a better paying job at one point. And then I was like, no, nah, don't like don't like the big company thing. So I went back. And then I left again to go up to Brisbane for three months and to see family. And it's not like they can hold my position for three months in a small company. So um, I had to give up the job. But then, you know, I got another job and it paid really well, but then I didn't like that one. So I went to another company that paid less, but it had good advancement opportunities. So it's like I was in a mm. team leader position running a depot of 20 people. But that again, that's not my skill set. You know, over life, you sort of learn where your skills are. And it turns out I'm more of a creative type person. I'm good at thinking of ideas and then I've learned how to execute on them because that didn't come naturally. <laughs> I've always <laughs> been more about just thinking about ideas. But yeah, so then I started a blog, a horticulture blog, and wrote 50 articles on that. Some of them were 500 words and the biggest one was 8,000 words. And that morphed into the podcast. And yeah, so nothing's ever been really like a, a quick move for me. It's always been like sort of like my mum talks, my mum's an entrepreneur and she talks about gateways. So you see the gateway and you see a bigger picture somewhere, like you intuitively feel like there's a big picture, but you have a plan to get to the next point and then you get there. And then when you get to that gateway, then you have a look around and you do the next point. So when I hit, I had a target of 50 blogs, I hit that target and then I was like, okay, so what next? Now I've got 50 blogs and I was like, well, obviously it's the podcast because I listen to so many podcasts at work and I'm sure that a lot of people are the same when they're in the green industry. You know, we mm -hmm. this ugly, awful noises with petrol <laughs> machinery and stuff like that. So it's not like we can't hear each other anyway. So we may as well put headphones in and um, listen to something a little bit more pleasant as long as it's safe to do so. Yeah, I, there's so much in there that, that I think many of us can relate to. I got my start in the industry. Uh, I had this you know, I got uh, my first I worked in college for landscape companies, but uh, my first full time professional, like grown up, you know, <laughs> uh, job in the industry. I had everything I'd ever done on my resume. It was like three pages long. It was really ugly, you know, including being a cashier at a retail store when I was 16, you know, and all this stuff. And um, the manager, who will actually be on this season of the podcast, stay tuned. Um, the manager that hired me saw this resume uh, for a lawn care company um, doing door-to-door -door sales. And he called me and he said, I want you to come in for an interview. And I said, door-to-door ah, -door sales. I don't think I really want to do that. And he said, I see somebody else. I'm looking at your resume and I see somebody that's looking for a place. Mm. They're looking for a fit in their life. And I think I've got your fit. Come on down. And, and, and this was in... 2009, like the recession was hitting. I didn't have a choice. I went to the interview and it ended up being just a, just an incredible career path. So I think, and I, and actually my, my very first job in the green industry was mowing. One of those summers in between semesters at college, I was <laughs> mowing. I, mowing. Yeah. So you gotta I, do it. Yeah. I think you have to, it's like, it's like a rite of passage, right? I think yeah. most of us can relate to that. <laughs> so yeah, that's all fantastic. Let's dive into each of those topics. And I think, you know, in the order that you, you mentioned them, prioritizing recruiting and retention. What do you think that looks like? What does, what does that mean to you? 
Okay, so the audience of this podcast are business owners. So you guys who are listening, what where are your priorities? Let's face it, they're on getting new clients, they're on drumming up work, they're on building that business up. And a lot of the time, sadly, we put staff as an afterthought. We only think about them when we're getting new staff or, you know, like when something goes wrong. But I want you to think about staff every single day. That's how we're going to keep the staff we have and prevent our business from having to constantly churn out new people and bring new people in. So it's the little things. So is it like um, Friday afternoon beers? Like just little things like that. Is it about, you know, you, we've got these tight time structures a lot of the time for jobs. You know, we, we know to a T just exactly how long Mrs. Dorothy takes. She takes 45 minutes for two people or, you know, whatever. Well, let's just, if someone doesn't meet that target, let's just give them a bit of slack or, you know, unless it's constantly happening, like um, give people a bit of slack. And and even if it is constantly happening, sometimes we need to realize some, some one person's skill is speed and another person's skill may be attention to detail or something like that. So just because someone's slow, that doesn't mean that they're a bad employee. So I want you to really think about every single day, how can I make my employees' life better? And how can I make them just love coming to work? Like my boss started at 8 o'clock. Usually bosses start at 6 at six a.m., Like, but he found that we all love coming to work at 8 a.m., so he, he let us start a little bit later. And, yes, it meant finishing later, but that's what we all wanted, and so that's what happened. And, I mean, like it's all those little things that made me want to stick around there for five years instead of constantly leaving like I had done in the past. One of the things I hear you saying, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, so correct me if I'm off here. The focus needs to be on creating an environment where people feel like they're respected, feel like they're heard, feel like they're they're valued. Is that Absolutely. fair to say? Absolutely. And look, I'm going to sound like such a cliche when I say stuff like that because everyone's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but let's actually do it instead of just thinking that we understand it. Let's actually go through the hard mm. yards of really thinking about it. Like every workplace is going to be different. There's going to be different things that your staff want from you. And ask them. Like spot out, ask them, hey, man, what are your dreams? Where do you see yourself in five years? What would make you stay? And if they trust you, they'll tell you the truth. And if they don't trust you, they won't tell you the truth. Is there any value in, and I think sometimes owners probably, or managers even, right, are afraid of that conversation because they're afraid that that person's answer is, well, in five years from now, I'm going to be gone from here. Yeah, but wouldn't you rather know? Well, not only wouldn't you rather know, the managers and, and owners and, and people that I have worked for that I always had the most respect for were the ones who said, okay, if it's not here, then where is it and how can I play a part in helping you get there? And that is next level. Like that's a rare manager and that is a that is a winning mindset, honestly. Like what would I not do for a manager who said, how can I help you in a way that doesn't help me? What would I not do for that person? Nothing. I would do anything for that person. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I've been on both sides of that conversation because I had somebody say that to me. All right, well, that's fine. What skills do you need to get to where you want to go? And what in your current role can we develop to help you do that? And then on the flip side of that, I've had someone say, hey, this is what I want to do with my career. 
that might be staying here, that might be somewhere else. Mm. I said, that's fine. <laughs> mm. If we can transfer those skills, if we can teach you the, the, the basic skills that are going to help you get to the next level, then then by all means, let's do that. Now, and that guy, by the way, he really wanted to get into inside sales. He's running, he's running his own call center in another industry right now. But like yeah. we're living, man, like this is life. This isn't like business is a part of life. We don't live to work. We work to live. And so those human connections, they have a value beyond just the monetary or the business side of things. Like it makes you feel good when you help someone. Oh, I completely agree. I completely agree. Now that's it. Talking about how do you keep the talent you've got is kind of what we're talking about. They're creating this company culture where people feel feel trusted, feel well, well, I guess we'll talk more about that. But they feel <laughs> they feel respected. They feel like you as the owner or as the manager are invested in them as a person, even if it doesn't benefit you. Mm. What are those companies that are recruiting really well? I know some companies right now that have been in a labor shortage here in the States for several years. <laughs> you know, they've been operating at a deficit. And I just had I actually had a guest on an earlier episode of this season who said he's got a waiting list at his mm. business. Which is um, it's very rare. What do you think those businesses are doing differently? Okay, it's a rare business that that has that problem of too much staff in this day and age. Like in twenty twenty two, absolutely unheard of. I know very few people who have too many staff waiting up. I think I'm guessing, and I don't know this business, but I'm guessing it's going to revolve around brand. So it's about the brand is reputation. Brand isn't a logo. It's about what people think about your business when they come to you. So obviously they have a reputation for treating their staff right, or maybe it's just like the coolest place to work. Maybe it's the type of work that they do. You know, like I would, if where I am now, if I wasn't getting into the media side of horticulture, I'd be learning about how to scale walls and work on vertical gardens in green infrastructure. So it's like, I imagine that those pe- those jobs probably have a long lineup because they're just awesome jobs. Now, how does that help someone who's mowing lawns or cutting down trees for a living? I don't know. You you can you can have a good reputation for like how you treat your staff. That's that's about it. I mean, like other than that, how can the small person get get the branding up there to that level that you're talking about? I mean, certainly, I think that that's the problem. It's just a huge problem. That's why I built this job board because I didn't see a solution. And I'm seeing all these businesses there. Some of them are failing, man. It's awful. Like my my last boss, I gave him eight weeks notice because I gave him four weeks notice and he couldn't fill the job. And then it turned into six weeks and then it turned into eight weeks. And then at the end, we were just both like, hey, man, this isn't getting any better. I'm just going to go. And he was like, yeah, man, I just have to drop clients. It's just sad. So, I mean, that was devastating for me to see that. He has two small daughters in primary school and it was just a really bad experience. So then I was like, hey, I've had this job a board idea for a while. I hate searching for jobs on the big job boards. Can never find what I'm looking for. I have to type in the the name like landscape or something like that. But then, you know, what about green infrastructure jobs that I just didn't know the keywords for? Because the categories are like construction, farming, or trades and services, and they just don't mm-hmm. apply to us. So I was like, well, what if we had an industry job board where the categories were more like landscape maintenance, landscape design, landscape construction, landscape architecture, green infrastructure, which can be, you know, sort of melted down into other subcategories. So that's that's the hole I'm trying to fill. And yes, so it's the job board's a week and a half old as we record today on the 31st of August. But it's I'm focusing on Australia to start with, but it is a global job board. So I want to solve this problem for the industry at large because it's a huge problem. 
No, I agree entirely. And I don't think I could agree anymore with what you're saying about reputation. In fact, uh, another guest we had in a different episode this season is a, is an expert in branding. And uh, I think the way he f- phrased it was something along the lines of, your brand is what people feel when they think about you, when they see your logo or yeah. or whatever. And I thought that was really insightful. And that's basically what you just got at. You said, you know, your brand is about your reputation. It's what people think of when they think about you as a business. And I think you're right. I think that if you are doing the right things to retain your current employees, they will tell other people, right? Yep. That's part of how you get that line out the door where, you know, you've got a, you've got a waiting list. I think that was really insightful, my friend. You hit the nail on the head there too. I can't tell you how many people brought in their friends to the workplace where I was working at just because of word of mouth because they're like, hey, man, I love this workplace. Now, the downside of that is someone's friend usually isn't as good as them. So they, they end up making a goose of the person who recommended them sometimes. And that's a real shame. Like we've all been there where we've recommended a friend to a job and then they've not lived up to the expectation and then made you embarrassed of recommending them. Like I've been there. I, I think we all have been, but at the same time, especially depending on the vertical, right? Like yeah. here, you know, we, we tend to, in the green industry, we tend to talk about it in the States in in three kind of, you know, silos, you know, there's like lawn care, you know, your fertilization and weed control and overseeding and things like that. Um, you got, you know, full service landscaping, which might include lawn care, but it also is, you know, your design installation, maintenance, design build, you know, if you're installing a patio or wall or some sort of something like that. And some of that construction you mentioned, um, and then we have tree care and tree care is not only plant healthcare programs, but also, you know, professional pruning, um, removals, things like that. Arborists, like it's a totally different, you know, <laughs> your tree care side is like, is almost like a beast unto itself yeah. here. So if you're listening to this and you're in tree care, I'm, that's not, a, I don't mean that as an insult. I think that you get a little bit more grace because like I, I recommended somebody one time to a job that I had very, I had very high standing and I recommended this person for a job. And um, they failed their drug test. Oh, no. And how does that make <laughs> yeah. you look? And it was like, oh, I didn't even get a chance to talk to him. The HR lady like intercepted it and was like, nope. And she pulled him into a room and talked to him. And it was like, all right, well, that happens. I think there's a little bit more grace for people that can perform in arboriculture here in the States because they're really hard to come by. They're just really, they just, it's a different level of skill involved. But yeah, I think... To that point, most people also are aware that, hey, this might reflect badly on me. So I don't think it's necessarily, you know, like if you've got a line out the door and it's a good place to work and you have a good thing going at work, you're probably not going to refer somebody that you know is going to, yeah, you know, you do it once, muddy the waters early in for your you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you and then you only recommend your best mates who, who like, you know, you, you trust them and, you know, then you know that they understand there's a drug test coming and yeah. they're going to do all the right things and, and not make a goose out of you. Yeah, absolutely. The second thing you had mentioned was that you trust your employees. You know, mm. um, if you want to really recruit and retain well, um, you've got to trust them. And you actually kind of took it in a, in a little bit of a different direction. I'm glad you did. You talked about taking the side of your employee uh, and having, you know, defending them. Talk a little bit about that if you don't mind. Okay. So there's going to be people listening right now that go, yeah, but I can't trust my employees. Yeah, that's right. You can't trust your employees. That's a problem, man. Like how are you going to run a business when you don't trust your employees? So as a, I, I mean, I've been a team leader most of my career. Like I sort of just end up getting promoted to team leader. And one of the things is 
You need to understand some clients are just crazy, man. They're just crazy and they're impossible to please. And yeah, but you're just going to get crazy clients. And one of the things my boss did was, you know, he, he wouldn't just like take my side automatically. He'd be like, when a client would complain about something like, oh, you know, there was a smashed window, he'd be like, oh, well, my boys and girl didn't tell me about this. So let me just check with them and we'll talk about it. And then sometimes we'd be like, no, no, there was a smash window there before we got there. And then he'd be like, well, I trust you. Like, cause, or if we smashed a window and we knew about it, we'd be like, hey, man, right on the show, we'd call him up and be like, hey, smashed a window. And then we'd write it in the app notes or, you know, stuff like that. And sometimes we didn't see a smash window and we didn't hear a smash window because the machines are loud. And, you know, he'd be like, look, we don't know, but it was probably us. So let's just pay it. But he never, he never, there was never, I can't remember ever a time when he was like, you guys did this. He never got angry at us. He he always just gave us grace. And some, you know, early on, I'd I'd look at him and I'd be like, "Man, you're giving this staff member too much grace." And then as I learnt, watched him doing it, I was like, "Nah, you're right to do that, because you can take a small loss here, as long as you don't have a habit of lying. That's that's the problem. That's where it comes in, because some staff members are going to have a problem of lying, and you need to get rid of them because they're not helping your business. That's not building the right team. That's the wrong team member." A habit of lying is an extremely problematic thing. So, yeah, like give them a long leash. Like if if they say something, just give it a moment and be like, is that true? It could be true and trust them. And, and I know that's so hard and trust is a two-way thing. Like, you know, they've got to earn that trust and all that. But if they're not earning that trust, what are they still doing there? You need to have staff members who you can trust. Otherwise, you're going to have an anxiety attack. No, I think that's that's very insightful. What happens... When you as a, as a manager, a supervisor, the owner, talk about the detriment to the business, to the, to the employees, to the morale, when you don't trust your staff. All right. Well, let's empathize with the staff for a minute. Let's put ourselves in a staff position. Okay. So you've gotten a new job. You've turned up there. You're doing a good job. You really care about your work. And then you get back to the yard and the boss comes up to you and goes, hey, man, there was a smashed window there and you say, oh, I didn't see it. I don't know. And he's like, you smashed the window. Um, I'm going to take it out of your pay or, you know, I'm going to make you feel really bad about it and I'm going to wield this over you. I'm going to stand over top of you and I'm going to say, I'm right, you're wrong. The client's right, you're wrong. They're just going to quit, dude. And then you're going to have to find someone else. That was an opportunity for you to invest in that staff member's morale. Yes. And you've you just screwed it. You just totally blew it. Yeah, I I don't think I could agree anymore. <laughs> I mean, you have a chance. Every one of those decisions, now document them, right? Like you need to know if a staff member has three times the number of occurrences as every other staff member. So don't be foolish about it. But at the same time, every one of these instances is an opportunity to build loyalty with your staff, not a problem you have to solve. That's a good, that's that? a big switch. Yeah. Big switch in mentality, isn't it? Yeah. From a problem to a, to an opportunity. Yeah. I that's kind of the way um, I can think of a time in my career where I was selling lawn care it was a job where I was selling lawn care door to door and I actually there was a big common area that the homeowners association was responsible for maintaining and they wanted it reseeded and it was like an acre. And so I sold that and it was, it was pretty expensive. It was like, I don't know, $1,500, $2,000, something like that for a door to door guy. That was like gold mine. It was like, all right, cool. So we sold this. Um, I talked to the home president, the homeowner association, got it passed. 
we got it through. The, it was a big, flat, open area. It was a little bit rocky. So there were some parts where the seed didn't take that well, but it was a big, flat, open area. There wasn't anything else. And so the, the guy on a, a Z machine banged it out in like, I don't know, less than an hour, <laughs> 45 minutes, something like that. He just flew through there, got it, two passes, got a bunch of seed down, did it all, loaded up and left. And they were really mad. They were like, this guy wasn't here that long. He didn't do a good job, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And the general manager at the office and I didn't, we, we butted heads frequently and I had been out to look at it and I knew there was germination happening. I knew there was grass coming in. I was like, and I told him, I said, this is, and I won't use his name, but I said, this is coming in. We did the thing that we were supposed to do, mm-hmm. you know, per, per the agreement. And, um, he went out there with me. He followed me out to the site, took a bunch of pictures and then stood right there. He goes, hold on, don't go anywhere. He goes, I'm going to call them right now. And I was like, I, and he, I couldn't read him, you know, poker face. I had no idea which way this was going. I was like, <laughs> I'd like to get it handed to me. And he picked up the phone and the guy's screaming about, well, we can call a lawyer and this and that, blah, blah, blah. I can hear the, the client on the other end of the phone through the cell phone. And this guy said, well, I'll tell you what, my sales guy did what he was supposed to do. My technician did what he was supposed to do. I've got photos at this point to prove that we did what we said we were going to do. So you can go ahead and call a lawyer. My team did what they were supposed to do. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I was so grateful. I was so grateful. And it wasn't hard. (laughs) Yeah. And he didn't, I mean, he could have just taken my word for it, but Mm. that's, that's neither here nor there. The fact was he had my back when it mattered. That's it. You provided an, he, he was united with you in the front that has, is presented to the client and that, that made you feel included, that made you feel understood, respected. And, you know, I, I don't know if you ever played footy as a kid. Like, we have AFL and rugby league over here. When you go in for a tackle soft, you get messed up. When you go in at a tackle hard and confidently, that's when people get less hurt. So next time you go in for a sale, you're going to go in hard because you know that that your manager has your back. Whereas if he had a blown, the, blown it then and he had a sort of blown up at you rather than at the client – then you would have gone in soft next time and you would have gotten smashed by the client. Absolutely. It's about building confidence with your team. I I couldn't agree with that anymore. I think that was really, really good. You mentioned mental health and that's something that's become a bigger and bigger topic in the world uh, in general. I think, you know, I think mental health awareness days and, and things like that, even with the Olympics, you know, Simone Biles backing out of a chance to win a gold medal because she said, I, I need a mental health break. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think it started these conversations, whether you agree with it or not. Okay. I think it's at least started the conversations about what that looks like for individuals at no, no matter at what level they're performing. And I think that that's really important. I think the fear that a lot of our managers and supervisors and owners will have is that someone's going to take advantage of it, yep. right? Someone's going to say, oh yeah, I need another mental health day and they're only working three days a week. Mm. And if they're a full-time employee, then you know they're getting benefits and you know there's a labor burden that the, the owner is, is bearing and they need to recoup some of that. How do you see that balance working? Mm. I mean, talk about why it's important to let them have those mental health days. And then you know, if you have any insights on, on how they can balance that out, that would be good. Yeah, you really hit the nail on the head there when you said the the labor labor burden. Labor yeah. burden. So some that work doesn't disappear. All that happens is that either someone else has to fill up that work, but more than likely what happens is that all the work gets pushed forward a date. So that 
You know what I mean? So like what used to happen on a Wednesday now happens on a Thursday. And there's a cost to that. You've just lost a day of productivity and there's a cost to that. And, you know, you've got good staff and you've got bad staff. You've got staff who are going to take advantage. You need It's your job as a manager to sniff them out and get rid of them. But if you've got a good staff member who calls you up and says, hey, man, I can't come in today. I'm just, I'm shivering. I'm in the bed. I'm vomiting or, you know, whatever. I just can't get out of bed. I have severe anxiety. I know people who've had anxiety to the level that they're vomiting in the morning, and that's a problem. So, you know, it's, it's, it can't be a habit that you're doing it two days a week. You need to be seeing someone. You need to be working on it, like, because it's a black hole and it can swallow you up. Now, the problem is that if you don't let your staff have that mental health day off or, you know, it can be mental health or it can be whatever. It can be sick family, whatever. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen is they're going to go to another boss who does provide that because bosses are going to start providing that now. So now you've just lost a you've lost a beautiful employee who was bringing in money every day for you, week in, week out. And for what? Because you didn't want to give them one day off. Well, if they were sick, you'd give it to them. And would you prefer that they just lie and say, oh, I'm sick? Because I've done that to bosses before. Like I was like, I can't come in today because I've had depression. I've got ADHD and OCD. And there have been days when I've just been like those are those are categories. I don't like the terminology disorder on there. I have like I have like an obsessive compulsive thing, which is not a negative thing at all. Like I don't wash my hands ten times or anything. I just think a lot and I have to write down notes and that's really helped me with my job. But and the ADHD thing, like I think of it as ADH. Like I've just I, I'm quite sporadic in some ways, and it was a hard lesson for me to learn to just be like dependable and reliant. But you know, it's like a like a weak muscle. The more that you work on that, the better it gets. But, you know, everyone has different things. So, yeah, one staff member might need to take off a, a mental health day every couple, of, every couple of weeks. That doesn't mean that they're less trustworthy than the staff member who doesn't ever take off a mental health day. It's just sort of like you have to treat people as individuals, not as replaceable widgets. I love that. I love that. What I hear you saying, and again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, you know, you have a, a, a burden that you're carrying, you know, like you're paying for their insurance and taxes on them and all that stuff here. That's the labor burden. And then you've got the lost production time. That's probably cheaper than recruiting somebody to replace them. <laughs> yes, <Right>? exactly. <laughs> on an uh, ongoing You're probably going to be a lot happier at the end of the day and you're going to build loyalty with that team member yeah. and they're going to tell their friends and then you're going to have a line out the door. Mm. It all cascades mm. one down to the next. But then there's that trust thing again, isn't it? Because trust is a two-way street. You can't trust your employees and they're not trusting you or they have to respect you. It's being a leader is hard, man. It is so hard. Cause you've got to you've got to be firm when you've got to be firm, you've got to be soft when you've got to be soft, and everyone has their own way. And some people are gonna gravitate to some leaders more than others. And then it's just like you can never trust what your staff are saying. At the end of the day, you can't. You can never trust what anyone says, just at face value. You've got to be intuitive. You've got to be able to read people. You've got to be so many things. It's such a hard job being a leader. Yeah, I think it is. And I think that, you know, that's part of why we we operate this podcast is we, <laughs> uh, we understand that that's a really tough job and we want to provide resources from all over, you know, folks that, are, that have worked on the front line and even pretty recently folks that that have you know connections like you do and, and talk to lots of people if you've never listened to daniel's podcast but i'll give him a chance to talk about it but i think you're on episode 119 120 yep 119 119 something yeah. like that over 100 episodes and it's all really good technical i mean um gets into plant varieties and climates and where to plant them and 
Um, it's really, really good. If you if you like the episode we did earlier this season on sustainable landscapes, you'll definitely love listening to Daniel's podcast. So I'd check it out. But one of the things I think we're bad at too, and you and I have had this conversation, is we're really bad as an industry at talking about how rewarding the work is. We're really bad at selling, you know, this is a fun job. <laughs> Yeah, yes, there's days where it's hot and you're sweaty and you hate life, but on the balance, it's a lot of fun. I can think of a couple of days I had one one experience I had. Again, I was selling lawn care door to door and there's a new subdivision and here in the states there, you know, contractors have to put I don't know what it's like there. They have to put down something to hold the soil in place. Once they get the grade approved for the stormwater runoff, they have to put down some kind of plant material to hold the, the grade in place. And usually that's annual rye because it grows up in like two days and mm. it's very quick. And, um, and then it's, but then it's dead. You have to reseed with something else and almost immediately <laughs> for whatever reason in this one neighborhood, the builder had used clover because it, it came mm. up very quickly, um, held the grade in place. But these, this young family had moved in before the, the, um, seed had taken and, and the father lovingly installed this playset in the back corner of the yard and they had the yard fenced in so the kids could play without having to worry about them. And then all this clover came in, and there were bees everywhere and the kids couldn't run around, <laughs> could not run around and play without getting stung. They got stung like four times in a week. And so they were afraid to go out and use the playset. And so here I come knocking on the door and hi. And she says, can you fix the clover? Can you get rid of it? And I said, it's going to take some time. There's a lot of it, <laughs> but, but yes, we can. And she said, sold, just sign me up. Where, where do I sign? Uh, and I went back and checked on them probably six, seven weeks later, I just stopped by just to, to make sure. And it was almost, I couldn't believe the level of control we got. We probably got 85% control mm. in two visits. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And the kids were out playing on the playground when I stopped by. And she was so grateful. This woman, you know, just about hugged me. She was like, I can't thank you enough. I'm so glad you knocked on my door. That's a cool day at the office. Yeah, You know, I got to help treat a, a state champion ash tree on a presidential homestead. For, for emerald ash borer and i got to watch this plant pulling like through these clear tubes pulling the medicine the insecticide into the tree i got to watch it drinking its medicine that's a cool day at the off we don't talk about stuff like that absolutely what do you have any tips for someone who's maybe saying i got into this industry because i really am passionate about the work i got into the industry because i love dirt on my hands. I love uh, the smell of the earth. I love seeing a job completed at the end. And they just don't know how to start talking about that with people when they're recruiting, when they're, when they're hmm. talking to new hires. What would you recommend for that person? Do they just geek out on it the way you and I do <laughs> when we're yeah. talking about this offline? Or what, do you, what would you say? Yeah, I guess talking is like a habit, isn't it? Like if you don't talk about how you feel about things – it's like a muscle, like it does, you can't talk. Like you, you sort of like, you can hear me. I use lots of weasel words, right? For a podcast, I use lots of like and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. But I still get the message across. Like, I hope you can hear the passion in my voice. I'd say just do it. Just, I mean, we're, we're our biggest enemy all the time. We hold ourselves back. Other people aren't judging us. Like when I listen back to my podcast, I hate the sound of my voice. Like, um, or at least I did at the start. Now I'm just used to it. I'm like, whatever. But um, yeah, just just talk about it. Not everyone, Not everyone will get it. But if you talk about it, the right person will get it. Like when my buddy was talking to me back all 10 years ago when he was telling me about landscaping, I was like, dude, you're in an office. God didn't make you to go into an office and like sit in there and like not be outside. 
and then just because like some people he did like some some people are made to like live like that right but not me I wasn't <laughs> man like I like cold calling people like I getting so hung up on every rejection and he's like and you need to come outside man just and he was like just for a short time just just for a couple of months or whatever just just get your brain right 10 years later because <laughs> that's what it is like it's it, the mental health thing is big for me it's like um there's such a thing as horticultural therapy have you heard of have you heard that term mm-hmm. yeah it's gardening that's all it is it's a fancy word for gardening and because gardening just makes you happy and it's something that's subtle it's not something that you sit there and you're like oh i feel so happy but at the end of the day look back and be like oh yeah i'm in a different mindset to what i used to be when i was in sales like when i was in sales i was really tired and i couldn't do anything but now that I'm home, I've worked harder and I have more energy. How's that possible? I've been digging holes all day long and yet I still have enough energy to cook dinner tonight. I have more energy than when I was in sales. Like, how is that possible? No, I agree with you entirely. I'm the kind of guy, you know, my wife laughs at me. We'll go to visit a, a park and, you know, I'll walk up to like an 80 foot sycamore and I'm like talking to it. I'm like, hey, it's been around <laughs> yeah. a while, you know? <laughs> that's it, man. And touch trees. That's a that's a thing too. Like get out there and touch them because and take your shoes off when you go to the park and you know, all those things. Like like I, I know working for a big company, you can't take your boots off. <laughs> but working at a small company, depending on the job, like if I was pruning roses or something like that, I'd just take my shoes off and just because I like the feel of the grass and my feet and you know it's peaceful and you can hear the wind and you can hear the birds, especially if you're out in the acreages like I was doing out in the sticks. It's just a beautiful, beautiful job. Yeah, and I think what you said, you hit the nail on the head when you said um, it won't resonate with everybody, but when it resonates with the right person, mm. right? Like when you've got that person who is looking for that, you know, like like I was, was looking for their fit. Mm. Something about being outside, something about working with plants, something about encouraging them to grow mm. and stewarding, mm. you know, just really speaks to certain people. And I think we miss that. Mm. We, because probably because America is a very litigious society. Mm. <laughs> <But> we, <laughs> so it's all about, can you lift 50 pounds without yeah. hurting yourself? Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> and we have this, I think the other thing too, is we get in the way. We think that we have a mindset that other people don't want to do this work before that we've even talked to yeah. them. Yep. And then they can feel that in our voice that we don't believe in it when we're talking to them. Or that we don't believe in them. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. It's a confidence thing. Like, you just got to get more confident. Sounds easy, right? <laughs> if it was that easy, if you and I just solved the world's confidence problems, yeah, Daniel. Yeah, they just need to listen to this podcast. Then we're going to be charging money for this podcast. <laughs> People charge a lot of money for that. And then it's a lot of it's just rubbish. Like, you matter. Oh, thank you. Thank, oh, I matter. Thank you. <laughs> Live, laugh, love, dance in the rain. You know, all that. Yeah. <laughs> crap <laughs> well daniel as we're wrapping up the show here i want to give you a few minutes if people are interested in learning more about the podcast or seeing court people because uh, i'm gonna hold you to it uh now that you and i are connected on linkedin and we we comment on each other's posts and things uh, it's coming to the states so i want to see hort people eventually but if they're interested in, in learning more about either of those how would they uh, find those how would they contact you directly well if you're a business owner, you may or may not be interested in the work. So if you're interested in the business side of things, listen to the Single Ops podcast. But if you're interested in the work itself, like plant work, listen to Plants Grow Here. I interview 
a new expert, industry professional, or enthusiast every week. So I've got my last week's, well, the week before last week was sponsored by the Australian Institute of Horticulture and featured the president, Michael Casey, talking about green infrastructure and sort of the benefits of plants can bring in an infrastructure setting. Because we all know about infrastructure like lights, roads, stuff like that. But actually, plants are also infrastructure in our cities. They provide civic benefits. So, you know, if you're interested in the work itself, yeah, check that out. Most popular episode is episode two, source Intro to Soil Science. So by far most popular episode, I think, because everyone loves soil and I think it's used like in training organizations and stuff like that. Hmm. So hort people, so that's plantsgrowhere.com or just search on Spotify or whatever, plants grow here. And the the uh, job board, hortpeople.com, you can put a resume up for free. It's completely free for job seekers to just put it up there. For employers, it's incredibly cheap right now. So I do have an American audience on the podcast and definitely looking to network with more American people in the future. Just got to prove it works in Australia first. So I've got a few jobs up there in Australia right now. My job this week is to fill those jobs. So obviously the SEO and all that sort of stuff isn't quite up to scratch yet because it's a week and a half old. No marketing budget yet because I'm a shoestring kind of guy, bootstrap kind of guy. But yeah, obviously every dollar that goes into the business is going to be spent on marketing and and building up big because I think that our industry needs this like we don't have a job board and it's ridiculous. People have tried in the past. I'm going to be the one who makes it work. I love that. See, there's that confidence. I love it. <laughs> All about well, it. I proved myself right a few times now. Like in Australia, we don't like pushing ourselves up too much. But yeah, you're right. Maybe I am confident. That's because I've proven myself right. I've proved I could get sponsored by the Australian Institute of Horticulture. I've proved I could be used in training organizations. Well, I'm going to prove myself right again. I'm going to make this and, work. And you were just picked up by the uh, UK Royal Horticultural Society. Oh, yeah. They had a snippet from there. I mean, and that's no joke. They have extremely high standards. Yeah. So you're producing quality stuff. It's getting noticed. And, and I, appreci- I appreciate the podcast. Like I listened to it. I thought the episode with um, Scott Smith about Pitt Medden was mm fascinating um i love that one so yeah he's a great um, guy he he's a he's actually becoming a regular now so um he he hosted last nice. week's episode with me <laughs> oh yeah yeah i saw about pruning for uh fruit trees yeah yeah that I was another one, one but yet. i had him interviewing me last week so last week he interviewed oh, okay. me about the podcast so yeah that's fantastic it's, that's cool. the thing about social media too is you make friends across the country uh, across the world like i've never met him but we just like you, like we just started talking and we just keep talking. And like, honestly, if you want to attract staff, get on social media, man. Like that's how you brand all your customers. You find go. out where your not your customers, find out where your candidates are. Like, are they on Facebook? Are they on LinkedIn? You know, if you're doing um, lawn mowing, probably more Facebook. If you're doing arboriculture, try LinkedIn and then build your brand. And there's a in. huge community of golf course supers and turf professionals mm. on Twitter, believe it or not. So Is that right? Twitter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Golf course supers are huge on Twitter, and I don't know why, but they are. But there's also a lot of, like, research professors that chime in on that, too. So I can think of a a couple of professors, like a guy at Penn State, that's really, really big on it. So, Daniel, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us here today. I really appreciate you, and uh, this is a great time. Love your work, mate. Keep it up. Cheers, bro.